Ryan. And I'm JP. And we are Socially Isolated. Here in the Pacific Northwest, the weather is getting warmer, the snow is beginning to melt, and all the mountains are out and shiny. It is now time to begin some outdoor activities. And in preparation of that summer outside, we thought it was a good time to take a look at the way mountains and outdoor adventures are portrayed in the movies. For this episode, we watched the 2017 movie, The Climb, directed by Ludovic Bernard, based on the true story of Nadir Dendun. And we're also joined by my wonderful and dear friend, Jonathan Grove. Jonathan grew up in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Appalachian, Virginia, and loved hiking, backpacking, mountain biking, even before moving to the Pacific Northwest 15 years ago. He graduated from the ancient eroded hills to young, ragged peaks and overcame his fear of heights, just enough to add a little rock climbing to that outdoor skill set of his. Climbing led to a friendship with an accomplished mountaineer and skier who brought Jonathan along patiently and showed him the ways of the Pacific Northwest. We are excited to have him join us for our discussion about mountaineering movies. And since he says that the mountains are where he truly feels alive, it is a great opportunity to have this discussion. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Good to be here. Have you started your, your summer adventure planning or gotten outside just yet in this nice weather? Um, I have been outside a lot, um, not in the mountains where I'd like to be. Uh, sadly, ski season is coming to a close and almost everywhere is shut down already. But um, yeah, I've been outside playing tennis, which I played in high school and really enjoy and just trying to enjoy the sun when we have it because, you know, springtime, it's kind of hit or miss some days, but um, yeah, outside with the kids and the dog, just kind of enjoying it. Yeah, I feel like these kind of shoulder seasons are a good time for rediscovering the backyard. Yes, definitely. It's uh, close and easy to get to, unlike the peaks that I prefer to be on. But I feel like Jonathan is too modest. If you ever follow his Instagram feed, it feels like some sort of REI adventure page. There is always something in there that I'm like, oh my gosh, how is he able to do that? Uh, granted, a lot of it is like, uh, I feel like I'm 30 years older than he is, but he just has this like adventure spirit. The entire family is like that. So I have a family connection in, in the Swiss Alps. Um, my paternal grandmother's side of the family is all from this one particular part. Um, and we went there, I've been there twice. Um, but some of the, the highest alpine peaks are really, really close. Um, so we actually spent some time up there. And it's just, um, yeah, so my Instagram tends to be, I follow a couple of those little towns tourism boards and they have some amazing photography. So I pump those out um, to, to share my obsession. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings us to the climb very smoothly because uh, I did read that I, I tried to do a little bit of background reading after I watched this film and it seemed that it, it was filmed in Nepal and we'll give our listeners a quick overview of the film in a minute but some of the mountaineering scenes were also filmed on Mont Blanc which uh, I'd have to look at a map but I believe is all kind of it's either, is it Mont Blanc or the Matterhorn that's all sort of bordered by three different countries and sort of everyone claims but it's part of the Alps for sure that much I know. Yeah, Mount Blanc is on the, if you're looking at Switzerland, it's all the way to the west um, and a little further south than I usually anticipate. Uh, but yes, the Matterhorn is kind of shared. So the 
So the climb was a suggestion from you that you said had made some waves in the climbing community for some reasons that I'll hope you will fill us in on. But just to get our listeners up to speed, this is a film about a young man who's of Senegalese descent. He's living in the 93rd arrondissement in Paris, and he doesn't have any climbing experience, but he, at least in the film version, decides that he, to kind of win over his his uh, paramour that he's a man of substance and can accomplish things, even though um, I guess he's having trouble finding steady work in his neighborhood. Uh, he finds a sponsor, which is no small feat, uh, someone who is going to send him to Nepal. And he has a radio station that is also going to follow his every wow. move. So he flies off to Nepal, has a little bit of a uh, fun funny and interesting culture shock when he gets there, but he befriends um, a young Nepalese man who then accompanies him on his voyage and even up the mountain with him. And he has been set up with a climbing company. So he does, he, he meets a kind of grumpy German sort of mountaineering stereotype guy who's, who's very charming uh, and is make sure he has the right gear. And then he sets off on this track kind of naively unaware of what is ahead of him. And, and since it's a 2017 movie, I feel like it's okay. And it's based on true stories. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little spoiler here for anyone who doesn't wanna hear it, that he does in fact achieve the summit, which is kind of amazing. So it's a very feel good story, heartwarming, has some nice funny parts to it. But um, what did you guys think? Uh, I, I think the movie is interesting um, there, for a couple of reasons. I guess there's sort of the, the social power dynamic. I mean, this is not a guy who, you know, he's an immigrant in France. Uh, he doesn't live in a place where there's a lot of wealth or power or lots of other things. Um, and they, they kind of deal with that, I mean, head on as much as you're going to, kind of given the fact that he spends most of the film on the mountain. But um, it's kind of interwoven, which I think uh, it, it's that's also an interest area of mine. And um, I think in a lot of mountain communities, it it comes up um, certainly around sort of social class and race in the United States and things. Um, in the outdoor sort of world, in the industry for sure, there's lots of conversation about that um, because it tends to be overwhelmingly white, and the gear tends to be kind of expensive. Those are sort of real topics. Um, Certainly when it comes to, to the Himalayas, like the Sherpas and the guides and people like that, uh, who are sort of the local experts. And I mean, these people climb Everest over and over and over. And yet the sort of the glory tends to go to Westerners, which, I, you know, there's a lot of these dynamics kind of, you might not know if you're not sort of tapped into kind of like the mountaineering world a little bit. And I'm by no means some, you know, elite climber expert but I do my own, you know, bit of mountaineering and am interested in that. So you can see those, those pieces, uh, which I think are really interesting. The, <laughs> there's also the piece that um, having some, some expertise, you learn really quickly. And I think this is true of a lot of things, but you learn really quickly that the first thing you know, you learn to know is how little you know, um, and that that is really dangerous in settings like that. So there's like the one scene where he arrives and they're telling him that he needs to go buy gear in this little village. He doesn't have crampons, like some really basic, like fundamentally basic tools. 
which also then suggests, you know, his knowledge around the, the skill set associated with it. And that <laughs> I still remember watching that scene with my son and being like, this is, this is not good. <laughs> you never want to be in this position, you know? Oh um, my gosh. Yes. When he was pulling out the stuff from his bag of what he packed and how excited he looked like as if he was doing some sort of YouTube unboxing video that that was so intense for me because I knew from seeing other types of movies and documentaries, like, Oh my gosh, this, he's not going to make it to the first base. <laughs> I think my favorite scene was when he's walking up the trail and climbers who are coming back down are passing him with just these haggard expressions on his face. And it's starting to dawn on him that he's getting into something more than he expected. Definitely. And I think the, the other piece of that that you see in their faces is also like when you go to climb a mountain, even if it's a relatively low peak here in the Pacific Northwest, not even one of the big volcanoes, the chances that you're going to summit that day are, you know, maybe 50-50, depending on the, the conditions. Um, in the Himalayas, it's a whole other scale. Like you, the chances that you're actually going to make it are actually pretty low. And I think you kind of see both the exhaustion, but also just sort of that deflatedness uh, in those people's faces. And the, the idea that he just like randomly chooses to do this and it works out is, I mean, that's better than winning the lottery, I think. And he says that multiple times, like, I can't come back. This is it for me. This is my only shot. So I can't afford to do a second trip and take two months of my life. Yeah. And I think that that was not only a, um, like a social component or a social commentary, but also a cultural commentary, like to do this and not come back when he represents so much of, of that, that middle class of th this um, area of the community that does not have access to mountain climbing, to understanding the gear, to, it, it says a lot, there's a lot that's placed on him. And at the end to see how much of the community kind of got together to listen, to, to wait for any sort of sign of it. It wasn't just him. It was, they all were climbing that mountain with him, which seems cliche, but also I felt it, you know, I, I was waiting for that picture too. And I knew he had made it. And I was like, come on, you gotta, you gotta post the picture. How do you guys think it walks that fine line between inspiring people that they that they can do this and that all that stands between them maybe is is money it's not necessarily that it's a worthiness versus inspiring people to go out and make bad decisions yeah the first thing that comes to mind i don't know if you all saw it but it was in the last couple of years there was one climbing season there was a, a picture posted of the route up the ridge to the summit of everest and it like it was like rush hour there were so many people up there and they're like real environmental impacts of that, but also just the, the, the risk level goes up. Um, not only are, are there potentially more inexperienced people, but you've got just more people. And when you sort of scale that up, not only are the chances greater that somebody is gonna get hurt, but that other people are then gonna have to participate in a rescue. And when you have a bunch of people jammed together on a ridge, it's, it begins to be hard to move around. And so the, the danger level definitely begins to escalate. Thinking about what you had said there, Ryan, I, I would say that it, to me, it was very scary that they never had a 
never try this at home kids type, you know, component, even within the movie, like, oh, I'll never do that again or something like that. Um, I know for myself watching that movie, I looked at that and I said, you know, I should try something that um, is scary to me, but is not life threatening or that I should try to push myself beyond my comfort zone, not into the danger zone. <laughs> Uh, but I did appreciate and see the camaraderie of, of the people and his willingness to do something to show his worth was, was very commendable. Um, I wish he would have done something else. Do you think that that sort of training montage of the three days that he gets taught how to climb is realistic? Can I learn how to climb in three days? Yes but not at that level. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine that, that that is, you know, true to, to fact. Like, I, I just, I've tried ice climbing uh, a couple of times and the first time it was horrible. And I would say that I'm not even proficient. And, um, you know, the, and I've spent over a decade rock climbing and you would think that the translation would be pretty seamless and it's not, it's a, it's a different, even, even having sort of gone up and across like steep slopes, um, like really steep, like 45 degree and maybe a little bit beyond that at times, um, the transition between that and, and something that's much more vertical, it's, it, beca it, begin it begins to be much more technical. Um, and that you can't see in that film. There's actually a really interesting one. Um, it was a short film that was in, uh, the Real Rock um, Film Festival, the National Black Ice. And there's a whole segment where they're actually learning this climb. Or realistic. Um, it is not easy. The, I sort of spoke to it a, a moment ago, but the, the risk involved when you're in these really rugged, remote places that are hard to get to, it's... I think often we, we have an understanding of like taking risks that is much more sort of like, I take a risk here, like a mile away from the hospital. It's a whole different thing than when you're like a multi-day trek into the mountains somewhere that may be reachable by helicopter if the weather cooperates and there happens to be one available. Um, but that that's, um, I guess with, with films like this, particularly when they're not really climbing focused um, and sort of done by climb, the climbing community. The concern is always like that people are gonna go out and do things that they're just really not ready for and don't fully understand the impacts of little things that seem like they're insignificant, um, but can, can not only kill one person, but multiple. Yeah. I wonder in comparison to other mountain climbing movies, we, we kind of came up with a list of things and Jonathan, you, you are definitely the aficionado of uh, amongst us of, of mountain climbing movies, um, especially since my suggestion was Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone. That was my mountain climbing movie. I just want to put that out there. That's the extent of my knowledge and my expertise. <laughs> I'm wondering how, how dangerous was not the filming, but the like presenting that out. I'm thinking about the movie uh in into the into thin air 
So the Into Thin Air is the Krakauer book, and it yes. did have an adaptation, I believe, just called Everest. And and that movie, you know, like there were a lot of different things that happened that were that that were really bad. Though I kind of remember from that book, and I was thinking when we were watching this movie, there was, and so I'm just echoing Krakauer back. So if he got it wrong, I'm getting it wrong again here. But there was a woman that had minimal climbing experience. And that was sort of a controversial thing is that she was, they were using some kind of technique that basically the Sherpa was doing all the work and kind of hoisting her up for for lack of a better specific term. Uh, And so I think that that was one of the issues in that fiasco as well was people, even there was many people who had lots of experience that, and this is just stuff happens that, this is what makes mountaineering dangerous, but then there was also people who maybe shouldn't have been there. I think folks who are really invested in climbing, particularly mountaineering, and mountaineering and rock climbing are definitely related, but also very distinct in some ways. Um, so th- there's, there is overlap for sure, but um, people who are into mountaineering in particular and rock climbers as well, we tend to like obsessively study cases where it went wrong to understand why, but that's, it's sort of that same sort of uh, obsession with like this abundance of caution. There's so much about like bringing knowledge to bear in a particular moment with the sort of evaluation of all the different things that are happening at one time and trying to make the best decision possible. I think the other thing I've heard a lot from these documentaries is, um, and the ones that, you know, come to mind are of course, Free Solo and maybe that Meru one, I can't remember, but it seems that the, the lot of the climbers emphasize that they understand the risk and they are okay with that. And so they're going into it with a conscious and it's not that they want to leave their wife and kids behind or something, but they understand what they're doing. And, and that was something that it's, it's unclear if this character, Sammy was in a position to make that call that he knew what he was getting into to assess that risk. Yeah, I think that's a critical point um, because it is, like when you invest a lot of time and energy and, and are interested in doing those things, they are inherently dangerous and we all know that. And so you, you, know, you hopefully bring a tremendous amount of knowledge um, and a skill set, and you have partners who have that same level. In fact, if you look at sort of the conversation in a lot of Facebook groups, and used to be board, you know, the, the chat board kind of thing, but people like looking for partners to go do a particular climb there's a lot of times it's almost like this is this needs to be your resume. This is who you need to be and what you need to bring. Um, but also a tremendous amount of like honesty and vulnerability to say, yeah, I, I just don't have it today, or that's not my skill set, or or whatever. And people expect that of you, uh, which is really, I think, particularly in the US, it's a real departure to say, you know, to expect and to to be, I mean, there's a, a sort of a social price to pay within that community. If you don't, like if you're hiding things, if you're sandbagging like information that people need to have, there's there are real consequences for that. Um, because it could mean the difference between like three people summoning Rainier tomorrow and one of them getting lifted, you know, airlifted out. Um, and potentially the other two being in danger because of that. I'd love to also talk about some of the stuff the movie gets right. What does it sort of nail for you? What were you watching being like, 
Yes, that's such so good. But I'm first, I'm going to go first and say the, the one thing when I watch outdoor movies, it seems like the backpacks are always empty. And no matter how hard the, the actors are like, oh, heaving it on. And this is true of like horror movies where they go backpacking. You know, it's not just outdoor adventure movies, but I'm always like, even, even wild. I'm like, put something in her backpack. We can tell it's empty. <laughs> Yeah, you can't skip with a 70 pound pack. That's not possible. Um, yeah, it, that actually reminds me. So the, the scene that sort of stood out to me the most is the most realistic. There's sort of a, a segment there where he's like climbing up the mountain and he's, you know, they're starting to get impacted by the lack of oxygen and he's like struggling, trucking along and he's like, oh, surely we've gone, you know, however far. And his guide's like, no, you just went 10 feet, you know? Um, that is very real. Um, I make a, con especially mountain, mountaineering on steep, long slopes. Um, I make a conscious effort to kind of keep my eyes just kind of below level. Um, and every now and then, you know, glance up, make sure I'm going the, the right direction, but I don't look straight ahead at whatever point, because that point is likely to be a lot further <laughs> than it feels like it should be. And that can be really demoralizing where if I'm looking three feet ahead, just making sure I'm putting my feet in the right spot. One, that's probably a safer way to go. But two, it, it sort of like reins in the expectations that, oh, I'm going to get there in no time. And that's never true. <laughs> yeah. I, I think of that. Uh, once they started putting oxygen on, wasn't it? It was like um, before that it was like one step forward or two steps forward and breathe, two steps forward and breathe. And, and there it was like um, one step, two breaths, one step, two breaths. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think was sort of an interesting, I think that might've been his guide's way of trying to talk him through. There's something called pressure breathing where you sort of do that. You actually, it, you kind of speed up your breathing relative to what you naturally would do to sort of force oxygen into your system. And I think that's kind of what he was trying to walk him through, which again, kind of goes to like, I think he, he had a pretty good sense. This guy didn't really have all this experience that he claimed. Yeah, it was unclear whether he was 100% on to him or not. There's a, a couple times where he, I, to, to fill the listeners in, he, the, he had claimed that he had recently climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And so that kind of got him through the gate because he falsified his resume. And there was a couple times where he was like, oh, must have been different on Kilimanjaro, eh? And, and even one time where other, once they saw he didn't know how to climb, other climbers were like, okay, the, the, the jig is up and this guy's not coming. And that's not really dealt with. There's not really a, an emotional scene where he convinces him that he, you know, where he knows he's on to him and, and Sammy convinces him to let him climb anyway. Um, that's sort of just for the story has to be sort of swept under the rug a little bit, but um, yeah, it's not a hundred percent clear of how much he knows. I have a, a comment that I wanted to come back to. Uh, I wrote this down as I was watching the movie, which is a moment uh, early on in the film where, uh, where Sammy is meeting his um, support there in Nepal. And his name is Johnny because he has a shirt from a, uh, I'm guessing some sort of rock star named Johnny. And th there's a, a little bit of, of French between the two of them but um, he can't take his eyes off of him. He is just smiling and happy. And Sammy is like, what's going on? What, what's up? And, and uh, he's pointing at him and he's like, is it my skin? And he says, yes, 
your skin or, you know, the, or uh, it says uh, your skin, it's beautiful. And it, you know, it got me a little teary eyed to think that he probably does not see many non-white individuals who are coming up the mountain. And that, that was just another one of those moments of that he is a representative of a certain class of, of individuals uh, on a certain economic scale of a certain um, area of the, of the globe of the certain, you know, there was, there were so many components to it, but to see this translated in a different way in which a movie would typically say like, you don't belong here. You don't know what you're doing. It was a celebration of you're so beautiful. I've never seen you before. I've never seen someone like you before. And and wanting to help him, you know, it's like every time you say like, don't worry, we'll take care of it. We'll, t- we'll figure it out. And, and Sammy was like, no, no, no. How much is this going to cost me? What are you going to do? What is this? You know, like, I need the plan. And, Sammy, and uh, Johnny was like, no, it's okay. I got you. I got you. I think there is like a sort of egalitarian spirit in, in communities where people are, you know, like the mountain doesn't care who you are. Um, and this is not to like, this is not some Pollyanna thing that like, prejudice and all kinds of other hateful things don't also happen in the mountains because they definitely do. And at the same time, there is relative to maybe the rest of society, there is this sort of like, we're all trying to do the same kind of thing and we're pushing ourselves individually. And that is, it is profoundly individual in that way. But there's also like this collectivist spirit about, um, about, you know, overcoming our own personal challenges and like, let me help you, you know, get there so you can really push yourself. That I, I've always really appreciated. Well, this has been a great conversation and uh, definitely has inspired me to maybe take up walking on a straight path as opposed to up the mountain, but you never know. Maybe there's a hill in my future. But we like to end each episode with a segment we call Thoughts on Thoughts. It's all those thoughts that we weren't able to get to, but we'd love to give a little shout out to. Um, so Ryan, let's start with you. Any thoughts from you? Well, the main thing I'd, I would want to talk about is just also bringing in a little Pacific Northwest twist here that there is a long history of mountaineering films in our Pacific Northwest that are all worth checking out. Uh, one that comes to mind is Dirtbag, the story of Fred Becky, who is a well-known climber that has climbed many peaks, I'm sure that we've all seen on the horizon and some of them are unnamed. And so he really popularized that and and helped get access to all those areas. Another one is called Elevation Change. And this is a documentary about a young man who set out to, he was hoping to run the entire Pacific Crest Trail, but immediately sort of realized how challenging that was going to be. So it's kind of a humbling movie. It's, you know, someone coming coming to terms with what they're capable of and, and what's going to be enough for, for him. Um, and another one that's coming out in May is called Who's on Top? And this ties in nicely with our conversation it's a documentary about LGBTQ plus climbers who climb Mount Hood, which is of course in Oregon. And they do some of their training on um, Mount Baker. So there's even a Washington state connection there, but it's a a team of athletes who, as they're uh, developing as climbers talk about inclusion and, and awareness and accessibility for everyone on the mountains. Nice. Jonathan, anything you want to add? I, I was thinking that we talked a lot about mountaineering films and that there's um, more recently, like uh, Meru is a great film that's done by the same people who did Free Solo. 
um, but without Alex Honnold and El Cap. And uh, Free Solo is a spectacular film. I think especially for for non-climbers, it's yeah. still like, it's hard to not get what he did, uh, which is mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I want to go watch the movie again. <laughs> There's another one that you mentioned while we were discussing some films to talk about uh, called a German film called Nordwand that is just, I just think is a stunning movie. It has a kind of an unhappy ending, but I think that you don't see that a lot in climbing movies and it's just like a real gut punch, but just excellently done. So I would also recommend people like seek that one out. Nice. In fact, that valley I was talking about in Switzerland at the opening is like right there. Really? Yeah, that's how you get up to the to that particular mountain that he climbed, and that whole valley is where we spent uh, a couple of days. Not not nearly long enough. People get to live there, which is totally unfair. What what about like what is it the North Face of? Um, it's called the Eiger, which translates to the Ogre. Um, but there's a series of of peaks there that are some of the highest in the Alps. Gorgeous. Well, I look forward to seeing that movie. Uh, we'll post all of these and uh, much more on our website for our show notes. And that is it for this episode. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I really just use Instagram to share parent- pictures with like my family on the East Coast. Uh, but Facebook is, I'm always posting things uh, on there. So you can find me at Jonathan Grove on Facebook if you're curious. Um, And if you need recommendations about mountain films or places to go climb, I can probably hook that up too. You can follow us on social media. I am on Twitter at Indie Arts Voice. And I am on Twitter at JP Avila. And as always, if you like the show, subscribe, rate, review on your podcast platform of choice. And come back next month. Bye for now. (laughs) 